thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So, this morning, we are going to talk about the carol Silent Night. It's a little bit different to what we had planned. We've had to make some changes and to make space. And actually, I'm only going to speak briefly today. Hooray! So that we have our nativity to finish the service. But today I share a carol that is popular the whole world round. It has been recorded and sung in more languages and countries around the world than any other carol. I often look very cynically at the words of this carol and think, Silent Night, you're having a laugh. Silent Night when a baby's coming to the world? I don't think so. Even if it wasn't for the baby, seriously guys, seriously guys. The angels were singing loud. The shepherds were running down the streets. The, the town was full. They had no room. So it wasn't a quiet night. So silent night? Seriously? But I've realized it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. We often get the wrong view of things. And sometimes it depends on when and why that carol was written, what it was for, and what it was used for. I want to share a picture with you that helps us see things, maybe from a new perspective. And I saw this picture earlier in the week. I think it should come on the screen, hopefully. Have we got a picture? There we go. Okay, you might want to just turn some of the lights off, Alex, so we can see it. This picture has been on my mind a lot this week. Pretty happy if you've seen it before. Okay, just a couple of people. Okay, this is a piece of artwork. This is Mary and Joseph, just after the birth of Jesus. And I think sometimes we sanitize the story of Christmas, don't we? A bit like we sanitize our hands. We make it look all nice and bright and shiny, and we make it look totally unrealistic because it would be a different thing. We forget the sights, the sounds, and probably the smells. But here is a piece of art, I think, that probably is a bit more realistic. Mary looks exhausted. She looks spent, doesn't she? Those of you who've given birth, is that probably quite accurate? But yeah, there's a very, very strong affirmative yes. There was even some men that said yes then. That was a bit worrying. <laughs> Joseph is looking into that manger with a little bit of anxiety, isn't he? As a dad, just like any new dad, he's thinking, what do I do now? I can remember... Come here, Joel. <laughs> Come here. I don't know if I can do this. Right, come here, right. I'm not okay. <sighs> okay, okay, thank you. I can remember when this little boy was brought into the world and I was left in a room while Ros went away to have something done. <laughs> there was just me and him. And I can remember looking at him going, what do I do now? I don't actually have a clue what I'm supposed to do. I can remember looking at him, and he was looking back at me, chewing his fist at the time. A bit like you now, yeah, yeah. I can remember, thanks, Joel, sorry. 
I can remember holding him in my arms, looking at his little chubby cheeks, with his little fist in there going... And I'm thinking, I can't give you anything, mate. And I had a bit of anxiety. I'm thinking, what on earth am I going to do? Where's the instructions? There's no manual. There's no guarantee. No receipt. But even in the midst of this picture here, the midst of the exhaustion, the midst of the anxiety or worry or fear for the future, your eyes are drawn to a light. The light that's in the manger. Even in the midst of that anxiety and fear, there is a light. There is a hope. And where is it? It's in the baby. It's in the baby. The carol says, Son of God loves pure light. Loves pure light. Maybe the silent night is at this point. After all the screaming and grunting's gone on. After all the noise from the animals has died down in the middle of the night. Maybe the silent night is in this point. Maybe it's in that moment before all the busyness comes. Maybe it's in that moment before the visitors appear. Maybe it's in that moment before Herod starts trying to get rid of them. And there's a war on their hands. Maybe it's in those moments that silent night is ringing true. Son of God loves pure light. The lyrics for the song were written by a man named Joseph Moore. It was a German man, spelled M-O-H-R. He was unloved in his hometown and shunned because he was one of three illegitimate children and his dad was a mercenary soldier who ran off and abandoned the family. So not a great background. Not only that, but his godparent was the town's executioner. Great pedigree. Illegitimate child. Dad who is a mercenary who then abandons and his godfather was the executioner of the town. He was abandoned and he was given to the Catholic Church to be raised and fostered. Eventually, he was trained as a priest and sent to a town near Salzburg, where he teamed up with a guy called Franz Gruber. That's not the bloke out of Die Hard. That was a different one. He teamed up with a guy called Franz Gruber, who was a local school teacher, who became the church organist. And one Christmas... They had put the words to music and the organ was broken. So Franz Gruber played it on the guitar and the rest is history. It became a much-loved carols. But I want to point out that their past and their connections in life doesn't stop them from worshipping the Saviour. That's what Silent Night's all about. The past and the connections don't stop us worshipping the Saviour. They aren't held back forever by what has happened to them or what has been done to them. That is the perspective of Silent Night. I want to read you some verses. Luke chapter 2 is the passage we've kept coming back to. Luke chapter 2 verses 6 to 7 says this. Mary and Joseph, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This is the beginning of that silent night. And as I read that passage, there are two things I'd never thought before. And I've read this passage a lot. I've heard it read at carol services since I was little. But there was two things that jumped out at me. One of them, while they were there, the time came. 
This isn't Mary and Joseph trotting along on a donkey, arriving in Bethlehem, no room, no room, no room, no room, stable. <laughs> That's not what it happened. They had to go. Roman oppression was making them go to Bethlehem to be counted. They had to go. There was nowhere for them to stay. And actually, they could have been there for days. They could have been there for weeks. They could have been there for months. While they were there, the time came. Sometimes we have to wait. And even in this case, Mary knew the promise of God, and she still had to wait. That was the first thing that jumped out at me. Maybe you're thinking, I knew that, Johnny. I've read that and pointed it out before. But the second thing was this. Because there was no guest room available. In some older versions, we get the words, there was no room at the inn. And so we have this picture in Sunday school nativities and in school nativities of the innkeeper going, sorry, there's no room here, knock, 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 rat-a-tat-tat, sorry, there's no room here, knock, 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 sorry, there's no room here, but I've got room around the back of my stable. Or Peter Kay, when he was a child, apparently, in the school play, he famously said, oh, yeah, I've got loads of room, come on in, and totally destroyed his school's nativity. <laughs> but anyway... But the Greek word that's used in this verse is katalima. So everybody say, you're going to learn a new word today if nothing else, right? Katalima. Katalima. Katalima can be translated as inn or lodge, but not as often as a different word. Katalima is not just an inn or a lodge, but we have that picture, don't we? But the catalima, that word catalima is translated in other places as a guest room. And in the NIV version, it says that, doesn't it? Because there was no guest room available. There was no guest room available. So not only inns and lodges, but spareroom.com had no space for them. Spareroom.com wasn't available because they had no internet. But anyway. But a guest room implies a personal house, a personal space, a personal home. There was no welcome. They were pushed out. Nobody personally wanted to take responsibility for them. Nobody was welcoming them into their own space, into the guest room. Now, you might think, what's the big deal about that, Johnny? Well, I just want to point out, in the story of the Good Samaritan, where the man is taken to, to a lodging and paid for to recover, the word that's used there is not katalima. It's not the word that's used for here. The word that's used in the Good Samaritan is a different word that means a place that people can receive strangers for money. So it's a business. Catalima is personal. Catalima is about receiving a guest into your home. I want to read you some other verses because Luke uses this same word at the end of his account of Jesus' life. Not just at the beginning, he uses it at the end. So Luke chapter 20, 22, sorry, Verses 7 to 13 says this. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, make preparations there. And they left and found things just as Jesus had told them. 
So they prepared the Passover. Go and follow him and ask the owner of the house, have you got a catalimmer? Have you got a guest room? Is your personal space open for us to use? Can it receive the Passover lamb? That's amazing, I think. Because Christmas and the end of Jesus' account in Luke is connected by the guest room. At the beginning, nobody was interested. Nobody wanted to welcome this couple who were heavily pregnant, who were riding on a donkey, who maybe have stayed there for days without anywhere to stay. Maybe they'd been on the streets. Maybe they knew what it was like to have absolutely nowhere to live. Have you got a catalimmer? No, no. But this was a personal home, and it was all ready for the Passover lamb, a space to welcome a space that involved personal sacrifice. Let me ask you a question. Have you got a space available for the Passover lamb? A personal space, not where you receive something, not where you receive money in return, but a personal welcome to Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's what the story is all about. On December the 24th, 1914, in the middle of the night during World War I, you may hear this story many times. English soldiers began to hear a song being sung across no man's land. They were in the trenches and they heard a song going, Stille Nacht. I should have got Tabby to sing it from the balcony. It would have been quite, uh, quite effective, wouldn't it? Not that she's the enemy, by the way. Sorry, just need to say that. They heard this song being sung. They didn't understand the words, but they recognized the tune. Why? Because it had traveled the world, because it became the most sung and most popular Christmas carol. They heard the tune being sung across no man's land and didn't understand, but eventually they joined in in English. And apparently there was a backwards and forwards of different songs being sung between the English and the German troops across no man's land in one of the worst places of World War I. Then... At daybreak on Christmas morning, the impossible happened. I don't want you to see a bit of perspective in this. All of a sudden, German soldiers began climbing out of trenches and walking across no man's land. Now, we know the story. We know what happens next. So to us, that's like, oh, isn't this nice? How terrifying must that have been? As the English soldiers, what stopped them in that moment from raising their guns and firing? What stopped them? Because they didn't know what the German soldiers were coming for. As far as they were concerned, this was the beginning of going over the top. But the German soldiers walked across no man's land and saying in English, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Throughout the day, they shook hands. They exchanged gifts of cigarettes and plum pudding and they swapped helmets. They even played, famously, football with a makeshift ball. And then... As night came, they said goodbyes and went back to their respective trenches. And on the next day, war resumed. Tragic, isn't it? It's tragic. But do you know, where did the peace come in that moment? It came from the silent night. It came from the Son of God, love's pure light. All is calm. All is bright. Mary welcomed the news of the birth eventually. Joseph welcomed the news of the birth, even though it would mean scandal for him, even though it would mean his world was rocked. They welcomed Jesus with peace. But there was no personal welcome for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, or the wee donkey. 
in Bethlehem. But as people started to recognize Jesus, there was a personal welcome for him as the Passover lamb. As people started to hear the good news, as people started to hear the truth of who Jesus was and what he did, there began to be a personal welcome for the one who is to be saviour of the world. Today, have you got a personal welcome? Have you got a catalimmer? Have you got a guest room where you can say, yes, come in, it's all ready for you? Not everything's there, God, but come in and get it sorted. That's the invitation today of Christmas. Where is the peace in that picture we showed? It was in the centre. The peace was in the centre of the picture because it's where the light of the world was. It's where all those things were. Many say, I won't accept him personally, but I'll allow him on the edges of my life. I'll allow him to skirt the edges. Particularly at Christmas, I might go to Christmas and sing some carols. I might listen to a few sermons. I might go to a carol service and feel all good about myself. But have you got a catalimmer? Have you got a guest room? Have you got space that's personal where you can say, come on in? Because you know that the lamb that takes away the sin of the world wants to be there. Have you got a spare room? Do you know, peace is found in the holiness of the sun. Even in the midst of war, even in the background of difficulty and struggle, even when our past and our name is linked to judgment, your future can include peace. Because of that silent night, because of that Son of God. That future can involve peace. In John, his gospel, we see some of the words that Jesus spoke at the Passover in that guest room. In the Gospel of John, these are some of the words that were spoken in that catalimmer on that Passover night. Jesus said this to his disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Those were the words of Jesus after he'd been welcomed in. My peace I give to you. Don't be afraid. Do you know, true peace this Christmas won't come in all the stuff that's advertised. Sorry to burst your bubble. But a lot of the gifts maybe even never be opened. Many of the gifts may be sold on. Maybe the gifts will be re-gifted. But peace will not come this Christmas in the things that are thrust in front of your face. Peace will not come through all the food you're going to eat. You might feel really sort of, you know, this is great. But peace will not come through that. Peace will not come through the amount of drinking that people do. In fact, actually, it will ruin lives. And Christmas is traditionally a, year, a time of year where depression rates, suicide rates, alcoholism, addiction soar. Peace will not be found in those places. We live in a world that is at war with itself, where there is a battle going on. And occasionally, it stops to have the odd silent night. This Christmas, I invite you to get personal. Open your guest room and welcome in the Lamb, the Saviour of the world. Don't just settle for one day of ceasefire. Don't just settle for a day that becomes a nice story in the future. Live a life that has peace right at the heart, that says, I trust you. Even in the midst of exhaustion, even in the midst of trouble, let him in permanently as a member of the family. Say yes, brother, father, Jesus and God.
Let him in. Why? Because peace comes from his presence. It comes from his presence. So this morning, there's your choice. Are you going to have a cantilever, a personal room where you invite him in? Or are you just going to say, Christmas, I can keep him on the edges. I can tell the sanitized version of the story. I can look at it and go, well, you know, it's all very good for the children. Or I can say, Jesus, be real in my life. Jesus, I strive for that peace. And it's a peace that he promised in that room. A peace that he can give to you. A peace that he leaves with you. And it's a peace that passes understanding. Have a lovely Christmas. Have a hope-filled Christmas. But most of all, have the peace of Christmas at the centre. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to pray. Father God, I thank you for the story of Jesus' birth. I thank you that in all things you work together for the good of those who love you. And Father God, I pray for everybody watching or in this room now who is just not opening that guest room for you. I pray, Lord, that you will just knock on that door and say, just let me in. Let me in. See what I can bring. See what I can do. Father God, you promised peace, you promised joy, and you promised love, even in the midst of a world that is at war with itself. So Father God, I pray this Christmas we will experience a silent night where ceasefire stops, where love is shared, and where unity is what we're after. So Father God, I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.